All right, we're back, back live on Inappropriate Earl, and uh, this is the first podcast after uh, the Rowdy Roddy Piper Memorial at the Comedy Store, which was a who's who of wrestling and MMA fighting, you know, Diamond Dallas Page, Josh Barnett, UFC heavyweight champ, uh, Mr. Piper's family. It was a great send-off to a great man, and... uh, I give that intro because today we have uh, one of the funniest dudes I've known in the L.A. comedy scene. Uh, we don't see each other a lot, which is what one of the few things I don't like about stand-up comedy. Is, you know, you get into different circuits and you lose track with funny people you like and respect. And uh, I had no idea that he was also a big pro wrestling fan. And we reconnected. Not that we fell apart, but we, uh, you know, recommunicated with each other when uh, Mr. Piper died. And he's here on Inappropriate Earl today to talk comedy, wrestling, and whatever else. Getting his braces off. <laughs> Put your hands together for the one, the only, Mr. Lenny Shelton. Yo, it's me. It's me. It's Lenny. <laughs> What's now, up, Earl? we met probably like 10 years ago, maybe. Oh, man, it's been that long. It's been a long time. It, like uh, some shitty open mic. <laughs> right. And uh, I always thought you were one of the funnier dudes in the room. Oh, I appreciate that. Hey, same here. I feel the same way about you, man. I agree with you. And, uh, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Just kidding. And uh, what got you started into comedy? Because I don't. You're one of the few guests, even though we've known each other for 10 years, uh-huh. I don't know a lot about you. Because, right. you know, at open mics or shows, you don't really get into your family uh your personal background right, so right. i want to spend the first few minutes what got you into comedy where are you from well uh i'm from columbus ohio <laughs> no i'm just kidding <laughs> now i'm from new york city and uh i guess what got me into comedy was uh you know a lot of the typical stuff uh you know wanting attention you know uh being bullied as a kid and, you know, feeling like an outsider and just, you know, wanting to make people laugh to get attention, to make friends, get people on your side. And I always grew up, you know, just loving comedy, loving sitcoms. You know, I grew up during the 80s comedy boom, you know, when there was a right. million stand-up shows on TV and I used to watch them all. And, and uh, I don't know, I just always loved it. But I never really seriously considered being a stand-up until I was like in my mid-20s. You know, when I finally said, like, yeah, fuck, I'm going to move to L.A. and do it, you know, so. Now, when you say you got bullied, let me mm-hmm. uh, describe you to my audience. This okay. is a uh, audio-only podcast. You are African-American. Correct. But you are, you, you kind of could be confused for white. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm tell the cops that. <laughs> right. Well, well, I tell them that if they pull you over, just say I'm white. But is that where the bullying came from, or was it because uh, you, you were slight of build, or? Um. Yeah. Being, I guess, being you know shy. I was a shy kid. I was a shy, quiet, bookish kid. You know, you know, I wasn't good at sports. You know, things like that. You know, and I grew up in a working class neighborhood in Queens, and you know, everybody was into sports and you know fighting and you know, playing ball, and I just wanted to, you know, stay home and read. And that I was the white part of you. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm half Asian. Maybe that's what that is. Right. No, because you're very exotic looking. I, yeah, you I guess know, so. <laughs> tell me you were white. I definitely see, like, a little bit of uh, Brandon Lee, Bruce Lee's kid. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, you know, 
in the eyes. I guess so, yeah. I, I, I get the rock sometimes, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I could see like when <laughs> he was in Nation. On. When he was in Nation of Domination. Yeah, maybe a, a very skinny rock I could be. <laughs> well, I saw him the other day at my gym. And, oh, really? Uh, you know, he's... I watched him. I, I I was on the elliptical and he was lifting weights. And my God, is he strong? Oh man, yeah, he's like he's even more jacked than ever, right? I mean, yeah, he's, I mean, he's in the best shape uh, of his life right now. Like I, he's a big guy, yeah. very strong. I mean, four plates on the uh, the uh, Smith uh, incline uh, bench, and uh, like he did it like it was nothing. Wow, he must have done twenty reps at four reps or at four. Uh, plates on each side which i think is 405 whoa and he had on his muhammad ali uh hoodie and uh, he had his like dr dre mammoth headphones on (laughs) and i I wanted to go up to him you know i mean you know you're a wrestling fan i'm when you see these guys you want to like they're superheroes right yeah I don't want to ask him about the Fast and Furious. Or, <laughs> right. You don't want to ask him about San Andreas. Or, yeah. Which was like the worst movie ever. I mean, yeah. I mean. You want to ask him about Rocky Maivia. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, his dad, Rocky Johnson. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I wanted him to fight Sting at WrestleMania. But uh, Oh, that would have been awesome. That, that would be. It would have been a lot better than Triple H. But yeah, that was bullshit. I don't want to bore people with Sting talk because <laughs> he's my favorite. Hey, let, it's your show. Let's talk Sting. Fuck it. Well, no, no. But see, the the I want the I I hate I listen to other people's podcasts. You know, you got to stay abreast of the uh, competition, and I hate it when the host talks. And you know, like I want to find out about you. Who's your favorite wrestler? Oh well, you see, I got my Macho Man shirt on right now. I'd have to say it's it's, it's very close between Macho Man and Bret Hart. Those are my two top favorites right there of all time why because uh, they were just so great in the ring i mean bret hart is you can watch bret hart he's so fluid like he, i don't think he's ever botched i don't think he's ever made a mistake in the ring everything he does is just so smooth so fluid but the reason why i have to give macho man the edge is because obviously macho man was a much more charismatic a better personality you know better at promos and he was great in the ring and smooth in the ring so i have to give macho man maybe a slight edge overall well yeah i mean i I always felt bad for bret hart because you know he he i guess after hogan and when they kind of gave it to warrior a little bit to run with it he was the champ and it's kind of like in that uninteresting period for wwe with like yokozuna floating around and you know, yeah, those are the dark days. The goon and yeah, Duke I, the dumpster. I think El Gigante. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, who I loved. Really? <laughs> Why well, he was just like his outfit. What well, you know? He wasn't. What was he about seven eight? Right. Uh, yeah. You know, I think he played for the Atlanta Hawks as a freak show. You know, he was like seven eight. You know, five hundred pounds, but like and, in shape. Yeah. But skinny for. It's weird to say that someone 500 pounds is skinny, but he, he just... So his outfit in the WWE was... Uh, they painted like a muscle leotard on him, <laughs> so he looked just like yeah. this mammoth man, yeah. uh, he was muscular. Like, he was like slim good body. He had yeah. muscles. Yeah, no, like... Uh, there's a great picture of... Uh, who was it? Uh, that ECW manager, Bill Afonso. Uh-huh. 
Hulk Hogan and uh, El Gigante suntanning by some pool, and they they line up in order of tallness, and it's just, I mean, this guy was so massive, he made Hulk Hogan look like our height. Like just, <laughs> wow. So uh, yeah, he was taller than the Undertaker, right? I mean, he was. Oh, he, he was, was le- legit yeah. seven eight. He was. Uh, he might have been the tallest wrestler ever. Yeah. Uh, you but know. What? Is that why you liked him? Because he was so tall. Yeah, I like those freak shows. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, like I like Mark Henry. Oh, Mark Henry's cool. Yeah. Literally one of the world's strongest men. Yeah, and uh, you know, like the Ultimate Warrior, because he was just so much bigger yeah. than everybody. And uh, I don't uh, see like Bret Hart, Macho Man, good wrestler, great wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the freak shows. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I mean, as. As a kid, my favorite wrestler was Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah I mean, obviously, was. obviously it was Hulk Hogan. I was I was a huge Hogan mark, and it was because he was so huge, so big. You, at that time, you had never seen a guy that big. You never seen a guy with muscles that big. You know, you only saw guys like that maybe maybe in like old pictures of the circus, you know, right? Bodybuilding. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but as I got older, I grew more to appreciate guys like Macho Man and Bret Hart because. They were just better wrestlers than Hulk Hogan. Oh, Hulk Hogan was probably the, the worst wrestler. <laughs> yeah. Technical wrestler. Yeah. Uh, but which is funny because his match with the Warrior, who might be the uh, rest in peace, of course. Of course. Uh, who might have been the second worst technical <laughs> wrestler. Uh, their match in uh, WrestleMania six at the Sky Dome in Toronto yes. might go down as one of the best matches ever. Absolutely. Which is crazy. Absolutely. You know, it's like putting two shitty actors in a film. <laughs> like Universal Soldier with Van Damme and Lundgren. <laughs> and somehow that worked. And it ended up being a great movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so that's... that's uh, Now, as a black man, mm-hmm. we're going to get to the... This is probably the most serious subject matter ever on my podcast. Do, how how did you feel when Hulk Hogan, uh, you know, when he re- that inward tape was released uh, of him did it make you automatically hate him or do you separate real life from just liking him as a wrestler i mean it, it seriously bummed me out <laughs> it seriously kind of made me sad you know i mean especially with it seems like in the past few months you know all this shit has been going on you know dusty Rhodes died and then you know there was this shit going on with you know rest in peace roddy piper yeah. and austin and then he died and then yeah, it really bummed me out because I was such a huge Hulk Hogan fan when I was a kid, and uh, I, I went to Raw. I went to the Raw before WrestleMania this year. Oh wow! Yeah, was it Staples at the Staples Center? Yeah, and when Hulk Hogan came out, it, he was a surprise guest. When he came out, I I marked out just like I was, you know, eight years old again. You know, and to to hear him say that, uh, yeah, it just it made me kind of sad. But yeah, I can still separate Hulk Hogan. <laughs> you know the, yeah. the crappy dude from Hulk Hogan, the character that I grew up loving. It's just hard. Like, you know, I don't think white people have a, a word that is as uh, hard hitting as the N word is to African Americans. I mean, uh, yeah, that, you know, cracker doesn't really have the same. No. Uh, no, and anyway, white people invented the word cracker, by the way. Let's get that. I think we invented the N word, too. Yeah, you invented uh, all the words. Maybe a couple of my uncles. Because uh, <laughs> uh, the first time I heard the N word, I didn't know what it meant. So I, yeah. I actually said it the next day to a group full of black people just by chance. And uh, they're like, uh, don't ever say that word yeah. again. I'm like, why not? <laughs> you know, so, uh, but this was the 70s. Oh. So, you know, it's a different, you know, different scene. But, right. like, you know, it's hard. Like, 
I can't watch any of his videos anymore on YouTube because it's like every time he says the word brother, I know what word he really wanted to <laughs> <Exactly>. use. <laughs> or saying I can't watch Lethal Weapon anymore because, you know, Mel Gibson, you know, it's like when he looks at Danny Glover, I'm like, I know what you're thinking now. <laughs> yeah, I can't watch No Holds Barred anymore. <laughs> yeah, because I, mean, I know when he looks at Zeus, he's like, how am I working with this fucking... <laughs> Uh, oh, it just kind of sucks. Yeah. Not that I looked up to Hulk Hogan for life uh, purpose, but, you know, he's, these guys are like superheroes. Yeah, yeah. I grew up w worshiping Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm 46, so, you know, like, I grew up, like, when he was in his absolute prime. And, yeah. Uh, you I, know. Think, I think there's a thing with white people from the South where, they're able to separate, like, like Hulk Hogan can be friends with Mr. T and Dennis Rodman and Kamala and whatever, and he can say, yeah, these are my friends, but still have that other side of his brain where he's like, they're, you know. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, poor Kamala, boy. Uh, <laughs> I did a joke last night at the Piper Memorial because I had to host it, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, you know, it was pretty sad. You yeah. know, all the speakers were great, and... Uh, you know, I thought, well, I'm going to need to do a joke to just lighten the mood. I'm like, hey, guys, I just got a text from Kamala. He's rolling down here any minute. Oh. And like, all the wrestlers oh, laughed because yeah. they got that. You know, he has no legs now. Right. Oh, so, and uh, his book, by the way, Kamala Speaks. Uh, I know you just bought a, a copy of it. Of course. Uh, and you brought it uh, to take I a picture. Um, yeah. A great book. You know, really? It's because he talks about like the racism that he had to face, mm -hmm. and like you know, wrestling in the seventies and in the South as as like one of the few black wrestlers. Right. You know, the only gimmick they would give him was you know this out of control <laughs> savage. You know, and he was a good wrestler. Like mm -hmm. he came from a background of like being a like a good. Re he wasn't like Bret Hart, but right. You know, and he so it was kind of interesting to. You yeah. know, and how he must have felt when Jerry Lawler came up with that gimmick. Like, here, listen here, boy. Yeah, yeah. Yo, that's <laughs> totally. Like, you, you'll, some of the stories are just, like, the things he, you know, like when he would walk through the crowd and people were calling him the N-word and, mm. you know, Jerry Lawler <laughs> was responsible for coming up with the gimmick, which probably tells you a lot about Jerry Lawler. Uh -huh. I mean, who would come up with it, like, you know that gimmick i know right the, the first thing you see when you see a big black guy is like oh yeah yeah let's He's make him a savage african savage <laughs> uh, walk around barefoot and uh which he says i don't want to ruin the book you know for you or anyone else but he he believes that because he walked around barefoot for so long you know backstage and on dirty uh rings and and that it might have been uh, part of the reason why he had to amputate both his legs. Oh, like what he got like a massive staph infection in both yeah. of his legs. And I mean, it might have been that he didn't really take care of his diabetes right. for twenty years. But you know, <laughs> I'm not a doctor, but right, it might have been all that southern cooking he was eating. Yeah, yeah, he, you could tell by Kamala's body he uh, didn't exactly do DDP yoga. <laughs> Or anything, really. Nothing, no. He wasn't in the gym with The Rock. Yeah, yeah. No, he, oh my, The Rock is just like, you know, you see these guys on TV, and you know, it's like, oh, they're pretty, but they look normal size because they're all the same size. Right. But when you see, you take a wrestler and put him in a room full of like guys like us, it's like, oh my God, this, this guy's a big guy. Yeah. 
And uh, I wanted to, you know, go up to him, but I was just too scared. Yeah. He's a, he, you know, I went up to CM Punk once at this gym. Oh, really? And he's normal, like, compared, he's about our size. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I went, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to go up to him. I said, hey, Mr. Punk, you're the only reason I watch it, man. And he just looked at me and goes, don't say that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, well, nice to meet you. <laughs> wow. Well, so he really is an asshole in real life. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want, yeah, he's just. Uh, I'm not even a thank you before you say Yeah, that. I thought, oh, this is a good ass kissing thing. It's yeah. not too fanboyish, but, you know, at the time, he really was the only reason I watched because he's mm-hmm. so good on the mic. Yeah. And he's amazing uh, technical. He's almost like a kind of like a macho man. Like, he, yeah, straight on the mic and in the ring. Yeah. You, you know, some guys are one or the other exactly uh, like roman reigns great look um you know can take great bumps i mean mm-hmm. that what he did against lesnar oh yeah i mean jesus WrestleMania, that was amazing yeah. took like 10 suplexes uh, yeah. uh but he, he's not really that great on the mic no nah, yeah no. he might be he's young yeah he could learn i mean he's a likable guy you know it's hard to it's hard for me to dislike a guy like Roman Reigns. He's he's so likable. He's part of that whole Samoan dynasty. You know? Yeah, and you know he's a good wrestler. Got a great look. I, I was I was kind of I was kind of sad when there was that whole backlash against him. Yeah, you know after the Royal Rumble and, and you know the Rock tried to save him and they were booing the Rock even. Yeah, I mean you know it's bad when they bring the Rock in to save you and they're booing the Rock. Yeah. He's like probably the most beloved wrestler at least of the last twenty years. Uh, and mainstream, uh, I, I, he's probably the number one mainstream wrestler. Like, uh, you know, Hogan had a couple 15 minutes of fame type things with right. mainstream, but his movies were so fucking bad, uh, <laughs> you know. And then his, that TV show he did on TBS, Thunder. Oh, my God. Thunder is it and Thunder in Paradise? Paradise? Oh, my God. That made Fabio's show Acapulco Heat, <laughs> you know. Seem like uh, all in the family in the first two seasons, uh, but you know he, he's he's young. So uh, you know, I remember when The Rock first came on the scene. He, he wasn't like you wouldn't think this guy's going to be the biggest actor no. in the world, no, absolutely. or a wrestler. But uh, I try and watch. Do you watch the? I mean, you went to uh, Raw, but do you I watch do. every week? I do. I watch every week. I, I just started watching again last year. I got back into it. I hadn't watched for a long time, for like 10 years. I was, I was totally out of it. And then last year, you know, I, I, last year, like I was kind of going through kind of like a, I guess a midlife crisis, you could kind of call it. How old are you? I'm 37. I try being 46. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I don't have long to live. I don't know. You're looking at your future. <laughs> oh, a, great. A bitter, broken down comic and well, shorts. <laughs> Boy, you know, Earl, you live in a nice place. I wouldn't mind uh, a future like this. Well, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's okay. I mean, there's worse uh, conditions to live in, but I mean, uh, you know, I, I try and uh, you know, you, you're young. Uh, you're a young dude, 37. You look. You look. If you told me you were 27, I'd go okay. Yeah, that, that, that's the only benefit. That's one benefit to being black. You look younger. <laughs> well, you do. I mean, uh, Keith David last night at the. Uh, oh, was uh, Keith David I, there? I, Oh, he looked young. Yeah. I mean, uh, and Keith David, for those of you, uh, you know, I know uh, some of my listeners aren't wrestling fans, uh, but, you know, you know Keith David. He's like that uh, stereotypical actor where you're like, I know this guy, but I don't know his name. 
and he was in uh, one of the great uh, movies by a wrestler. They live. Absolutely. And uh, he got up on stage and told the story of his infamous fight scene. Right, yeah. Which was an incredibly long fight scene. <laughs> right. And they live with him and Mr. Piper. And it was great to see him. And, uh, y- you know, you look, you could play in your mid-20s. Oh, well, thanks. You got thanks. a full head of hair. Yeah. Your teeth are stellar. <laughs> now they are. Yeah, but that's all good. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wore braces for like four or five years myself. Oh, yeah? And, uh, you know, I had some jacked up uh, teeth. I was an ugly kid, so... Uh. You know, bad skin, bad teeth. I mean, you talk about bullying. Uh, oh. But, you know, thank God the internet wasn't around when we were like... Oh, man. Can you imagine? I mean, uh, you know, I can't imagine what teens go through today with uh, YouTube comments. And I know. Can, can you imagine, like, if our bullying was broadcast to the world? Like, literally broadcast to the world? I mean, do you have stand-up clips on YouTube? I do, yeah. And, like, do you ever read the comments? Yeah, I haven't gotten any like really negative comments yet, like this guy sucks or anything like that. I have. Yeah. I'm wondering, uh, you know, like, you know, the Piper uh, podcast, his fans were so like ra- rowdy. And, really? Oh, my God, they were brutal. I had to stop reading them. Like, Man, why, you know. why would they come after you? I mean, they know you're, you're his friend. He loved you. Well, I didn't really want to do the podcast because I know I'm a fan. Like, if I'm listening to... You know, a Macho Man podcast or, you know, a Warrior podcast. You know, I don't want to hear from some sidekick. I don't know who they are. So I got the gist of the anger. But, you know, Mr. Piper was like, hey, I I told him, listen, I don't want to really do it. You know, people just want to hear from you, man. You're a legend. He's like, no, no, I love you, man. And I'm like, all right. Uh, This guy sucks. I hope this guy dies. Damn. You know, just the tweet, the private tweets I get still are just like... You know, like, you killed Piper oh. with your shitty comedy. <laughs> it was oh, like, oh, come on. So, uh, but you're so likable. I, uh, you know, you are off stage uh, the same as you are on stage. Like, I can't imagine you be, ever being mad. Oh, no, I get mad. Oh, I get mad, sure. And, you know, sometimes I channel that through my comedy. Oh, I mean, I've had, I've had <laughs> audiences dislike me for sure. Absolutely. When you, like, how would you describe your comedy? Would you, I, because you always were, like, when I would see you, I would say you were smarter than most of the people in the room. Like, you wouldn't just do uh, hacky subjects, you know, like, uh, you wouldn't do a Donald Trump hair joke. You would right, yeah. break down his policies instead. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what I try to do. I mean, I, I, I guess I consider myself, I just talk about what's going on in the world, you know, social commentator, I guess, if you want to put a label on it. That's pretty much what I do. And sometimes when you do that, people will disagree with you. You know, people will be like, oh, that's not true. Or, right. you know, people sometimes will come up to you and say, well, actually, you know, you know, they try to debate with you. So I, I've had that happen to me. Like, you know, and that's especially true, uh, you know, we've certainly graduated from the open mic scene, but like when I first met you, you know, I admired you because uh, you did your uh, political commentating uh, style of comedy in an open mic, which is brutal because it's, mm-hmm. you're usually at a loud bar where, you know, there's a bunch of drunk racist freaks <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's risky style in a... You know, it's one thing to do it at the improv where people mm-hmm. paid to see you. 
Right. It's another thing to do at an open mic where you know it looks like the accused is going to be filmed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, Michael's Pub, uh, yeah. you know, uh, the Liquid, Liquid Zoo, Zoo, yeah, uh, that oh. Moose Lodge, the Moose Lodge in Burbank. Yeah. I think that's where we met, right? The Moose Lodge. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Uh, which was probably the best of the rooms that we used to do uh-huh. from the standpoint of uh, they would do a comedy night for those of you listening at a Moose Lodge in Burbank, and uh, you know, never really a lot of crowd. You know, just a bunch of old timers, you know, at this Moose Lodge. And, uh, but still, they would uh, act up if they didn't like you. Yeah. So you got to be. True. Yeah. I'm, I'm convinced that Moose Lodge was previously a KKK chapter and they just changed the name. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely had a tone of that they've had some uh, specific meetings there <laughs> that uh, Hulk Hogan would have felt at home <laughs> at. Um, but, you, you know, now I don't know why this popped into my head, but are you going to go see Straight Outta Compton? Absolutely. Yeah. W- what theater? I'd like to. Uh, I'm trying to map out where I'm going to see it. <laughs> you got to go to the AMC Burbank. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm trying to see like Beverly Hills, <laughs> yeah. maybe, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to. It's crazy, that, you know, because I figure, and, and a few people, it's not really a joke, but, I, you know, like you seriously go, okay, if there was a shooting in an Amy Schumer movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's got to be trouble straight out of Compton. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe not. Because, you know, really, because I remember 20 years ago, there were some shootings at the Boys in the Hood. That was, colors. That was going on. Colors. That was going on 20 years ago. But nothing like that has really happened since then. All the shootings in the past few years have been white people. It's been at, at the curious case of Benjamin Button. There was a shooting, you know, tr- train wreck. There's shootings. So, uh, yeah, I don't think you have to worry about that. Well, I mean, someone brought up a point that there probably won't be any uh, shootings at Straight Outta Compton because it's uh, going to be hard to want to shoot someone next to you when they might have a bigger gun. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not a rap music fan, but I am so obsessed with Suge Knight oh. that I want to see how they uh, portray him, which I hear they don't uh, exactly portray him in uh, the, the best of light. Yeah, well, <laughs> how could you possibly portray him in a good light? Well, yeah, you're right there. Uh, <laughs> what positive qualities does he have? Was a good bus- was a good businessman, and then uh, I, well. I, I'm not. Uh, you know, I always see it. You know, he he kind of came a mythical figure to me because I would always see him around West Hollywood. Like uh-huh. you'd go into Mel's Diner at three or four in the morning, which is right by the Comedy Store, and right. uh, he'd be there by himself or with a hoe. And I'm like, we could get shot here. I mean, there's, I mean, I have to, now, are you, do you like rap music? Absolutely, yeah. But, so you know the history of him and, and, you know, uh, being a blood or associated with the bloods. I mean, do you find it crazy that he, I I have to assume he's got death threats. uh, Of course. Or uh, contracts out on him to kill him. Yeah. And it just always blew me away that he would just be alone by himself or with a girl. And uh, seem to, at least on the surface, not have a worry in the world about getting killed. Yeah, I mean, and he 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 almost got killed that night with Tupac. He got grazed in the head by bullets, and he just came away with it like, like nothing. You would think he would put on some extra security or not go out in public that much, but yeah, he just doesn't give a fuck. He's just like, you gonna yeah. get me? Come get me, motherfucker. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know. Uh, I'm just blown. I'd be so... I wouldn't leave the house. Yeah. You know, like I know Edward James Olmos had a... When he did that movie, American Me. Never thought I'd talk about Edward James Olmos and Suge Knight within (laughs) two sentences. But he had a contract out on his life 
because uh, I guess the Mexican mob was not exactly thrilled with some of their portrayal in the movie. Really? And uh, he didn't leave the house. Like, he's like, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm, I'll film, uh, I'll do some YouTube videos or something until the heat clears. And uh, I just, you know, still I'm amazed at his cockiness of, and I'm amazed that someone didn't kill him. I mean, like, yeah, didn't didn't somebody try to kill him a few months ago? Yeah, I think he got like shot in the leg or something. And yeah. it's like, how do you just shoot him in the leg? He's like 350 pounds, and it was from at close range. Yeah. Uh, and then I think uh, he was in that parking lot of the fast food place in Compton, and I mm-hmm. guess he went to go see Dr. Dre, and the whole scene broke out, and he ran over someone and killed him. It's on tape, and yeah. he still like <laughs> is denying it. God. Who's your favorite rap? Uh, not band, but uh, do you have a favorite artist from the genre? Uh, favorite artist of all time, probably a tribe called Quest. Um, I have to say, I'm from Queens, from Queens, New York, and yeah, they're probably the biggest group to come out of there. And also, I mean, of course, I loved N.W.A. Of course, I loved Snoop. And uh, you know, I'm mainly an East Coast guy. Nas is another guy I love. So, like you growing up in New York, like. What was like their legitimacy t- to like East Coast, West Coast? Did you not like West Coast uh, bands or not bands, but art rap artists because they were from the West Coast? Or w- was there really like did people pick sides in terms of? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, it was it was pretty intense. But you know, in the East Coast, people still liked Dre and Snoop. I mean, you couldn't not like them. You know, they were they were just so great. I think it was more of Tupac kind of stoked the fire more right that whole east coast west coast thing because he was going after biggie directly and biggie was the king of new york at that time so yeah it got real serious i mean you know, tupac got shot when he was in new york and whenever new york rappers came to the west coast they have to have extra security uh, on them even do you remember third base uh, um you know i checked out after the fat boys <laughs> third base they were a white rap group from queens and how did they go over? They were pretty popular on the East Coast. They were pretty popular, but they did a song where they made fun of Hammer. And what people didn't know was Hammer was associated with some gangs. I don't know which gang, the Bloods or Crip. He, right. was, he was pretty you know, deep in it. And when Third Base came to L.A., they had to have extra security with them because Hammer was going to have them killed. You wouldn't think the guy in the parachute pants. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't think. Yeah, they thought they could fuck with Hammond because he had the parachute pants and he was, you know, kind of corny. But they, they, it was a big mistake. I mean, I'm just now I, I, I love the Fat Boys. Yeah, and I think they were, you know, I'm a big '80s metal guy. You know, mm-hmm. the Poisons, the Rats, the Motley Crues, and like a lot of them, a lot of those bands and the individual musicians don't get the credit they des- I think they deserve because they're, they're dressed like drag queens or. You know, C.C. DeVille, the guitar player from Poison, uh, he's a classically trained guitar player. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he kind of sold out, dyed his hair platinum blonde, right. pink guitars, and, like, he's never been really taken seriously. Right, he's kind of goofy in interviews. Yeah, and, and he was always coked out of his mind. Yeah. Uh, do you think the Fat Boys suffered from that? Like, I think they're, like, actual rap. I mean, I, I'm not an aficionado like you are, but, mm-hmm. like, do you think the fat boys weren't taken seriously because it was like, you know, because yeah, they're fat <laughs> and <laughs> literally one like, did, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but like 
there was like one kind of fat one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Markey was like pretty fat, and then the human beatbox was just like Mark Henry style. Right. Yeah. No, actually, Markey wasn't in the Fat Boys. Wait. Who, th- bi- it was. It was the human beatbox. Right. And there was a guy named Cool Rock Ski, and then there was Prince Marky D. My, that's fine. I'm yeah. the rap fan. The two that listen to this show. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry to say, Bismarck. You know, because I know the Piper fans jumped on me when I got one date wrong about oh. SummerSlam, uh, and uh, Disorderlies. Maybe one Disorderlies, of the Disorderlies. Absolutely a classic. I mean, I always wondered what. Uh, who was the old uh, actor who was in that? Movie? Ralph Bellamy. Right. My God. You're <laughs> mad. Yeah, I was trading places, and I wondered what. That phone call must have been like his agent. Say, hey, Ralph, you know, you're a legendary actor, one of the greatest actors, you know, if you just judge it based on your body of work. Uh, we got a movie about you, uh, these three obese black rappers. <laughs> Want to do it? Okay, what is a rapper? Yeah. What's a black person? What's a black rapper? And, you know, I just... I, just uh, Visual of him uh, walking on the set that first day, meeting those guys, and you know, I'm sure they had their bitches around, and mm-hmm. you, you know, their music was pl- probably playing in their trailer. And he's like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> or maybe he was trying to be nice. Maybe like the first thing he said was like, "I know Eddie Murphy." Do you guys yeah, know Eddie yeah, Murphy? I know, I know one of you guys, <laughs> yeah. and uh, Charlie Murphy. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, that video they did with Chubby Checker, the twist. Oh, my God. <laughs> wonder what Chubby Checker thought. Like, who the hell? Here's like a legendary black artist. What about the video they did with the Beach Boys? Do you yeah. remember that? Oh, my God. Yeah. What was it? Uh, wait, wait. What was that song? Wipeout. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, Brian Wilson was like, thank God my brain cells are gone. Cause, and John Stamos. He got in there. I think he was like John the fourth Stamos. drummer. Yeah. You know, but... Uh, Fat Boys as rappers, where do they even rank in the top twenty? You know, you you do have a point. The Fat Boys were really great, legitimate rappers when they first started. I mean, if you go back and listen to their early stuff, they were really good. Especially Prince Marky D, he was he was a really great rapper. But they played up that fat Her, guy yeah. goofy gimmick, and they you know they did disorderlies and stuff like that, and it was funny. But yeah, it did come back to bite them in the end because people stopped taking them seriously. I mean, I'm sure as an artist, whether you're a comic or, you know, I, I would almost say like Carrot Top is uh, someone who, like, he's really funny. Like, yeah. Uh, but his image and, you know, his uh, changing uh, facial uh, right. and body. I mean, like, he's, like, I think I'm a, like, relatively big guy. He, he makes me look like I've never hit a gym in my life. <laughs> know, right? But yeah. he's legitimately funny and people kind of like, uh, he's not funny or, you know, uh, I mean, I, I try, I'm trying to really broaden my musical horizons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, Billy Idol's guitar player, almost the same problem as CeCe DeVille or the Fat Boys. He's amazing, amazing guitar player. Uh, but he looks like a Jersey Shore housewife. You know, he's got the <laughs> the black, you know, just crazy hair and super tan and he wears like these one piece like leather outfits and uh and does he have like penciled eyebrows yeah it's a whole deal oh my God. uh his name is steve stevens and he put out a flamenco album but just on his own and if i every person i've said listen to this and i don't tell who it is just 
what do you think of it? And they're like, this this is amazing music. And then I show them a picture of Steve Stevens. They're like, Jesus Christ. They, <laughs> like, they turn it off automatically. <laughs> uh, were there a lot of rap artists who, like, you think their image hurt them, who were, like, like the fat boys? Like, like uh, who, who did the song, I Like Big Butts? Sir Mix-a-Lot? Sir Mix-a-Lot, yeah. Like, he's a great rapper, but do you he think... Was. I mean, that's, you know, a lot of bands I like had that one song that just killed their image. Yeah. So we can't take you seriously. Yeah, exactly. So Mercedes was another guy who was, you know, a pretty well-respected rapper in the late 80s coming out of Seattle. But now all everybody thinks about him is just him sitting on a giant ass. You know? With the butts. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then he tried to do another song. He was, he did a song about titties, put them on the glass. You know, he tried to keep it going, you know, with the butts and the asses. And then that just ruined his gimmick. Now I heard a song the other day that I'm obsessed with. I can't say the title. I'm gonna, uh, but I, it's called uh, "Can a Blank Get a Table Dance." Right. Um, who sang that song? That's from, I believe that's from a Chris Rock album. Oh, so it's not a legitimate like. No, it's not a legitimate. Oh, it's Chris Rock <laughs> it's singing. Chris, it. Yeah, I believe that's from. I think that's from Bigger and Blacker. Okay, I I enjoyed this. I mean, it's like. <laughs> I don't know who sings it, but yeah. And it's the GGA ending. It, it's not Kenna. Right, it's, right. It's not the right. hardcore. It's ending. not the Hulk Hogan. Yeah, it's the, uh, you know, it's like uh, GGA instead of the uh, ER ending. But it's like, it's kind of a catchy song. I felt yeah. bad for liking it. <laughs> no, you should like it. <laughs> well, I, I, I could appreciate, uh, I'm not a huge rap, uh, you know, fan and, and you know, like, NWA is amazing. Uh, Public mm -hmm. Enemy, I mean, you know, but I, I just, it's, the music's too serious for me. Yeah. And, you know, I can't relate to it. Like, as a Jew growing up in Bel Air, <laughs> there, I didn't have a really a lot of rap role models. Really? Because I, I would think that you would love NWA because I think what made NWA so popular was white people who were so far removed from that lifestyle that this was like a, a look into that, you know, like, wow, this is whole other world going on. Right. I mean, I'm not a poser, though. I mean, I, it, it, I you know, for some reason, I always gravitated towards Eazy e because oh. he always wore a King's hat. Uh -oh. And, uh, you know, I'm assuming he wasn't a hockey fan, but <laughs> no, Cause, you know, probably not. The Kings in the late 80s before Gretzky came, it was like <laughs> if Easy could name one King pre Gretzky, I'd be pretty fucking impressed. <laughs> Although Easy E was a Republican, so you never know. Maybe he was <laughs> going to those games. Yeah, no, I mean, I always uh, I guess according to the the movie, he was like the kind of the uh, the, the promoter, like. He was the guy who said, hey, you know, I, I met this guy at a party. You know, he says he can produce. Like, he was like the, uh, not the brains, I guess Dr. Dre and, uh, you know, yeah. was like the the real brains. But right. Eazy-E was like the guy who got them to get. Yeah, he had the connections. Yeah, absolutely. Who's your favorite member of uh, NWA? Oh, my favorite member of NWA. Man, I guess I'd have to say Dre. I mean, the body of work. No, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And of course he was responsible for all those all those beats, all those classic beats, the chronics, Snoop Dogg, and all the way till today. I mean, yeah, nobody's touching Dr. Dre. Well, I you know, I saw him once at my gym and uh I gotta be honest with you, not that he cares about uh some wacky white guy's opinion, but I, I don't really like his headphones, to be honest. They're, with yeah, you. they're they're overrated those headphones. That's um, just the whole big marketing ploy. Yeah, no, I mean I you'd think that Wow, you know, this guy's life has been in the studio and you know, literally f from 15 to now. Uh, 
and you, you think he would have like I don't know. No, you know he has nothing to do with those headphones. It's, you know, so don't tell of, me that. So a bunch of nerdy white guys made them, and then Dre just puts his name on them. Like, yeah, all right. I mean, do you, are you a music uh, connoisseur? Yeah, I would say so. So yeah. what? Uh, what do you think are the best headphones? best headphones or like do you have uh i mean do you like how do you listen to music usually ipod or yeah i usually listen on just like, the earbuds right right <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not like a technical connoisseur like i know what's the best sound system and stuff right, like right. that yeah but the music itself i love I mean, i'm i'm mainly you know 80s and 90s rock and hip-hop that's my era that's mainly what i listen to oh, it's the best era it is it certainly is who's like your favorite non-rat like rock uh who do you gravitate to? No, for rock, I mean, you know, growing up in the '80s, man, I loved all, all those rock bands from the '80s: Motley Crue, really, Guns N' Roses, Metallica. I mean, yeah, that, that, all that, that was my shit, man. Bon Jovi, oh yeah. Well, I mean, you don't meet many black metal fans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I don't really think much of it. I mean, I grew up in Queens, New York, and it wasn't really a big deal of what kind of music you like we just all liked you know whatever we thought was cool i mean i was uh there's a drink and now i've never had a drink in my life but uh the last time i went to a cheap trick concert i, I said to the guy i was with who believe me has had a drink uh <laughs> i'm like you got to take a shot every time you see a black person at a cheap trick concert <laughs> and he only took about two shots yeah <laughs> but, uh, a lot of uh african-americans running around the cheap oh. trick uh Show. Where did you see most of your concerts growing up? The Garden? No, I didn't go to... You know, like getting back to the wrestling thing, uh, I never got to go to a live event when I was a kid. Cause really? My, yeah, because my mom did, would not take me to the Garden. I mean, for those of you who don't remember, if you ever watch a 80s wrestling show at the Garden, it's, oh a, it's a madhouse. There's garbage everywhere. People are throwing beer. So my my mom wouldn't take me there. She 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 was she was like, no way. I'm not. I am not going to be sitting in the middle of all that. <laughs> yeah, no. She might have. You know. Now I'm starting to see Kamala's point why he might have lost his legs. <laughs> yeah. Walking around Madison Square Garden barefoot. Um. So did, what? When was your first live wrestling show? My first live wrestling event was when I went to the Raw before. Oh really? Yeah, that was my first one. Yeah. Yeah. I never had the money or the ability to go until now and and for like i said for 10 years i didn't watch so i didn't have any interest in going so what got you back into it um oh so like i was saying before you know i was kind of having sort of a midlife crisis it was more i was working this job that i hated and every day i would come home feeling like shit so i would do this thing where th this might sound kind of sick but i would do this thing where every day i would come home and i would pretend like i came home from school and I would go on Netflix and I'd watch G.I. Joe and Transformers and just shit from the 80s that I grew up watching just to kind of take me back to when I was a kid. And then I saw on Netflix they had No Holds Barred. And uh, I had never seen No Holds Barred. As, as much of a Hogan mark as I was, I had never seen it because even as a kid, I knew that movie was going to suck. It looked like shit. No, it's awful. <laughs> you know, I mean, Zeus was awful, you know, so and it just came and went. But I was like, wow, I never saw No Holds Barred before, you know? And I loved wrestling when I was a kid, so let me watch this. So I watched it, and it was as horrible as I thought it would be. But it, it actually kind of re-sparked my interest into watching wrestling again. Because I remember, like, yeah, I used to love these guys when I was a kid. 
Yeah, no, I mean, No Holds Barred was brutal. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not even like a fun, bad movie to watch. You know, it's just bad. But some of the actors in there were like, I still see, you know, today, like the, the main bad guy, the, the tall kind of white uh, TV executive. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I see him in a lot of things, and it's like, he's a legitimate, like, serious actor, and I just... You yeah. know, I believe his name is Kurt Fuller. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, he, I used to work at a gym in Santa Monica called Sports Connection. And, uh, it's where the John Travolta movie Perfect was filmed. Uh-huh. And uh, so it was kind of like a people like Kurt Fuller would work out there. And I'm like, I walked up to him one day. I'm like, Hey, man, you are no holes barred. <laughs> and here's a guy who's been in probably a hundred films, TV shows, probably won Broadway awards for acting and he just looked at me and like I know <laughs> so yeah, it was a paycheck what could I do yeah I guess I mean comics we take some pretty wacky gigs uh, you know that uh, you know what's what's like the craziest gig you've uh, ever done the craziest gig I've ever done yeah uh, let me get you some water. For oh. those of you who don't know, in my house right now, it uh, it's fucking hot. Boiling. No, no, it's boiling in here. Me and Lenny are both sweating. Yeah. It's like, I feel right now like I'm in the Sudan with uh, Abdullah the Butcher. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we were, we were in Africa with Akeem. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. We must get into Akeem because <laughs> I have uh, an obsession with him uh, that just, we're going to get into some. Uh, uh, wacky angles that the WWE put some of their wrestlers through. And, uh, you know, I just love how they fired Hulk Hogan for being racist. Right. And the WWE might be the most racist company on earth. I mean, look at, like, Akeem. You turn this white guy into some jive-talking soul man. <laughs> Akeem is my number one the wrestler that I hate the most out of any wrestler. I hate Akeem, that whole gimmick. The the thing that pisses me off most about Akeem is that whole, like, this motion. Right. Like, the swimming motion that you no know, black person my- has ever done. But <laughs> for some reason, when, when, I guess, white people make fun of black people, they do this swimming thing with their arms. And you know Vince McMahon taught him to do that. You know Vince McMahon was oh, like, yeah. okay, here's what you do. <laughs> yeah, you know, they like had, that's the funniest thing is they probably took him in like a you know, dance studio or you know, some small room and had some white guy go in there and go, <laughs> hey, this is how black people talk and walk. <laughs> right. You know, and he did that, you know, you know, my brother, oh. and he had the koofy on and oh the, my God. the, uh, I actually tried to buy that, uh, on eBay once I wanted to, for the memorial last time, I'm like, you know, what if I walked out as a keem <laughs> and you know, but uh, I'm going to get you some more water. This is a real professional podcast here. Uh, oh, yes, please. I'm, so I'm going to lead you into this question where I can walk away from the mic for a hot second. And if you hear something in the background, it's the ice machine. Um, you know, I try and be professional, but you know, you guys, if you're, this is episode seventy-five. You know, this ain't uh, the most professionally produced podcast, but I'm doing the best I can. If you want me to do a better job, you just PayPal me eastskakelaol.com and send Daddy some money, and I probably won't spend it on the podcast, but uh, I'll buy some more wrestling T-shirts. Uh, so Lenny, what is the craziest gig in all your years of stand-up? Uh, probably, probably the worst gig I've ever had was I I did a set 
at this uh, gay bar in San Diego. It was called the Brass Rail. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was, it was a cool place. And I thought, I thought they'd be receptive to me because I have, you know, I don't have any like anti-gay material, you know. I, I do material that's pro-gay, pro-gay marriage. And even though I was going through my pro-gay material, for some reason, like, they were just heckling me and just giving me dirty looks. And, you know, because gay, gay men can be real dismissive <laughs> when they want to be, when they're mad at you. And I couldn't even understand why they were mad at me because I wasn't saying anything bad about them. I, I thought I was like, hey, I'm your friend, gay guys. You know, I, I like everything you're doing. But for some reason, I don't know why, but they just they just turned on me. They were just booing and hissing and <laughs> snapping and rolling their eyes and oh man it was it, it was definitely the worst set i've ever had i i walked out of there with my head hanging down just everybody just staring at me i haven't had anything crazy where i've threatened to be attacked or <laughs> had things thrown at me but i've had dirty looks and just, you know, people just hating me. You can feel the hate when you're <laughs> coming off the stage. Well, gay bars are definitely, uh, or gay audiences, uh, you know, I find them to be uh, almost the greatest crowds or the worst. Like, if you don't get them, it's over. Yeah. But if you do, uh, it's mag- It's like playing a black room. I mean, yeah. I, I don't do a lot of black rooms, but, you know, the few I've done, it's like, I think they give you that minute respect of all right this guy's white he looks like he does and he's in our room we'll give him a shot but if you lose him it's brutal yeah i mean i've done i've done that same material in front of gay audiences and got cheered and and gotten big laughs but for some reason that night they (laughs) they did not like me and how do you deal with bombing i mean you just just go home and cry that's all you can do have you gone home and cried after a set uh, you know, I did one time, but it wasn't just because of the set. Like, I, I, there was a time I was going through like a rough time, and then the bad set just compounded everything. Right. It's just like, oh fuck, everything sucks. <laughs> you know? Oh, it's a tough business, man. Yeah, but after a bad set, I mean, there's really nothing you can do. I mean, it sucks, but all, really, all you can do is just be like, all right, on to the next set. Especially if you're doing material that you know is good and you know works, but it just didn't work right. that night. You're just like, all right, it'll work another night. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I did a joke last night, a wrestling joke that, uh, you know, if there's ever room this is going to do well in, it's it's this room. And, you know, it's wrestlers, UFC fighters, and, uh, you know, it didn't quite work uh, as I had anticipated. But, uh, you know, you just, you know, it's either you keep going or you quit. Yeah. And if you quit, no one's going to care. People would be happy. You know, I would quit if I thought people would care. <laughs> of course, people would care. Not really. Girl, They'd be on. like, "Hey, that's just one." If you or I quit tomorrow, I mean, we're pretty well liked. I, I mean, ten years I've known you, never once heard a bad word about you. Not even a hint of a bad word about you. You probably haven't heard any word about me. <laughs> but I mean, that's good. In, in the world of comedy, silence is golden. Uh, you know, yeah, so. uh, with all the shit talkers we have uh, in this business. Uh, so, but. As well liked as you are as as I am, I think, if we quit tomorrow, people will be like, that's just one comic we don't have to deal with anymore. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it, it can be brutal that way. Yeah, that's like that's the weird thing about comics. People, comics think like, oh, I'll knock him out of the way and then I move up. But no, you don't. Not really. You're, you're not moving up. <laughs> you know? You're moving lateral. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's. Uh, it's not like wrestling. 
<laughs> but it is though, I think. And, and you know, I was talking with uh, Josh Barnett mm-hmm. last night, and he's he's kind of a hybrid uh, wrestler, UFC fighter. Uh, you know, he uh, does the announcing for uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling, which is oh. where a- AJ Styles is now wrestling. Yeah. And uh, you know, but at one point he was the UFC heavyweight champion, um, and uh, he was basically saying that stand-up and, and wrestling are very similar it's you know a lot of traveling a lot of alone time a lot of you know if you're a bad wrestler you can't blame it on anyone but you mm, and true. same thing with comedy you know and like you know if you're in a band and you suck you could blame the drummer right but i think the, the difference is that in wrestling you can knock people out and move up and keep your spot Right, we've seen wrestlers do it. I mean, Hulk Hogan based his whole career on it. Yeah, knocking people out the box just so he can keep his spot. But I think in comedy, it doesn't work that way. I mean, comedy's a weird. Uh, you know, I mean, I come from like playing hockey, not professionally. Just it's like the only non-comedy thing I do, and it's like the way it is in hockey. It's like, well, Earl, you've got the hardest shot on the team. You get to play the power play. But if hockey were run like comedy, it would be like, well, Earl, you got the hardest shot on the team, but uh, Johnny's dad is an equipment manufacturer, so uh, <laughs> we get free gear, so Johnny's going to play over <laughs> you. And that's probably the only thing I don't like about comedy. It's like it's not necessarily based on your... Like, you should be a lot more famous than you are. You're just, I should. I agree. Yeah, you're a funny <laughs> dude. You're likable. You're very, very hardworking. Uh, but then I see some uh, open micer selling out doing, say, Last Comic Standing, mm. uh, you know, on the blooper reel because he wore a fruit basket on yeah. his head. And he gets better gigs than you or I. Yeah. But I think that's that's one thing. When I got into comedy, that's one thing that I really had to come to terms with before I got in it. I was like, okay, I know I might do this for 10, 20 years and not really get to where I want to be but I'm going to do it anyway because I want to, because right. I need to. So, you know, I, I came to terms with that before I got into it. So I think maybe that's why it doesn't piss me off that much when I see, like, the comics you were talking about who go on Last Comic Standing and they're headlining because I know that that happens. Right. No, it's frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating, but, you know, you know what happens. And then there are the comics you can look to who have done it for 10, 20 years, and then they finally do get up there. So you then you know, oh, that can happen. Yeah, like Russell Peters, I think. Yeah, Struggled uh, for probably uh, 10 years before he, uh, you know, really, just, you know, he plays arenas. Yeah. Not that we, I mean, I wouldn't mind playing in front of those crowds, but not that, uh, you know, you have to reach that level of success to be successful, you know. I think there's different levels and, you know, some people want to headline a book show. And mm-hmm. That's success. To yeah. Them. And then some people want to be, you know, at the improv or comedy store. And, you know, there's, I guess there's, like, what is success for you in comedy? What, what like, as of today, if you could, would it be getting on a late night talk show as a comic or writing on a show? Well, success to me would, success to me would just be making a living in comedy that that's all i've ever wanted to do when i got into comedy just be able to make a living not necessarily be famous or 
be a headliner or be a star. If I could just say that I pay all my bills from doing something comedy related, whether it be performing or writing, then I'm a success. Now, we talked about what the craziest gig you've ever had. What's the best gig you've ever had? Oh, man, the best gig I've ever had. Wow. I mean, I've had I've had a lot of fun gigs. Probably the best gig I've ever had is, uh, I mean, I, I perform fairly regularly at the Ice House. That's great. Yeah, and pretty much every time I've performed there, it's been one of the best gigs I've ever had. Great you know, club in Pasadena. Yeah, great club. The audiences are great. You know, they they come to watch comedy. Right. They're not coming for any other ulterior motive. You know, so yeah, I would have to say like the last time I did the Ice House <laughs> was the best gig I ever had. Oh, great! Yeah. Do you get to open up for a lot of like you know, uh, like what shows do you get on there? Like, oh, I I get to host the uh, show there at the Stage Two. Okay. Yeah, I, I host there the Sunday night show. And we always get great crowds and great lineups. And I, I just always have a blast whenever I do it. So if you're local in the L.A. Uh, Pasadena area, Sunday night, stage two, go see Lenny Shelton. Tell him Earl sent you. You'll have to pay the same price. Well, another really good gig I had, uh, I, I would have to say, because uh, one time I did, a, I did a set at Flappers. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, I had a good set. I had fun. But what really made it special for me was Rick Overton. Oh, he's the best. Rick Overton. Yeah, I grew up loving Rick Overton. He was one of my favorite comics growing up. And he came up to me. He said, I really liked your set. Really good material. Really smart. I loved it. So that was very special for me. To have a comic that I grew up loving come up to me, take the time to come up to me and say that he liked what I did. Yeah, I'll always remember that. I mean, Rick Overton, that's like one of the scary things about this business. And he's famous for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but like he should, like, and it gets back to what we were just talking about, what, what's famous or what's successful to you. But like, to me, he should be like on a Steve Martin level. Like, yeah. He's just like so smart but funny. And like, you know, it's like, wow, if he's not like super well known by uh, uh, comedy fans know who he is. Mm hmm uh he's a legend to me yeah absolutely uh, but it's like wow man i got a long way to go yeah yeah i mean how long has he been doing it he's been at least I mean, 40 years uh, 30 years i mean uh i was on a show with him uh, a couple months ago that uh, troy conrad show set list mm -hmm. which is you know you uh, it's basically an improvised uh you don't do your act. You uh, Troy has a screen on the stage and he puts up just random words and you're supposed to talk about it like it's a regular part of your act like he would put uh, uh you know uh, village people hulk hogan and you're just supposed to instantly go into you know a, a two or three minute bit uh, you know about the village people or hulk hogan or anything related to those two and uh you know i went up first and did uh, i thought about as well as i could have done and i kind of <laughs> to myself was like all right, let's see anyone in the room follow that. <laughs> and Rick Overton went up after me, and like two minutes in, I felt like I had bombed. Right. Like he was just like, just on yeah. miles ahead of me. So uh, yeah, that yeah, that show that I talked about that I did with him, he just got up and just ad libbed his whole set and just destroyed. Yeah, and he's a great actor too. I think he yeah. was. Uh, 
on that show Leverage with uh, oh, right, yeah. Kevin Bacon. I don't know if it's on the air anymore. I like a lot of bad TV, so <laughs> most of uh, my shows don't last two, three seasons. So. <laughs> like Acapulco Heat? As Acapulco Heat with Fabio. Uh, I I saw him at my gym the other day, and I'm like, I I like to give celebrities like Fabio like kind of like semi-backhanded compliments, and so I literally walked up to him, hey man, I loved Acapulco Heat, wish it was still on. <laughs> and he looked at me like, fuck off. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, I saw Cindy Crawford once at uh, the valet at some restaurant. And so she looked over at me like, all right, I know you know who I am. Just say whatever you want to say. And I'm like, hey, I loved you in Fair Game. <laughs> <laughs> Same look, like, you yeah. beat it, pal. <laughs> so, you know. yeah, To Fabio, should have said, I, I can't believe it's not still on. Yeah, well, I can't, Fabio. It was horrible acting. <laughs> or uh, but probably my best was when I saw Pee Wee from Porky's. <laughs> Pee Wee from Porky. Uh, the great oh Dan Monahan. And, uh, I saw him at the DMV with his wife and kids, and I walked up to him, and he, he saw me coming. He's like, mm-hmm. "Dude, I'm with my kids. I don't want to talk about it." Uh, like, <laughs> Have you ever had like a wacky celebrity like interaction? You know, I see the thing with like with me with celebrities. I mean, and, and actually, this kind of relates to to the great Roddy Piper. When when I see a celebrity, I don't like to bother them. I I, I really don't like. Uh, like when I when I would see Roddy Piper, I'd be like, you know what, he's heard it all before. I'm just gonna leave him alone. I'm not gonna go up to him and say all the typical stuff that he's heard a million times. So when I see a celebrity, if they happen to be like right next to me, I'll just be like, yeah, hey, what's up? How you doing? You know, I, I try to actually try to have like a regular conversation with them. See, I'm the opposite. <laughs> you and I would get a, you and I would be a good uh, Thelma and Louise. Uh, type uh, right. we're so uh, you're so nice and i'm like i'll go up to him <laughs> we'll be like a good cop bad cop to every celebrity that comes into the comedy store oh well the comedy store is uh you know it's another animal you know mm-hmm. that almost encourages you to go up to celebrities and go hey man you know like you know the first time i met roddy piper it was like hey uh you know how big were mark henry's shits <laughs> Oh, and he literally told me and then he went into like a 30 minute story on mark henry wait a minute so he <laughs> is this a thing where all the wrestlers see mark henry shits well i'm assuming you're back you know you've been backstage in a green room and uh mm-hmm. you, you know you, you get to know comics on you know that the audience doesn't get to know while they're on stage you know maybe a you know, I farted or something, or you know, I'm not gonna fart on stage. You know, right. you know, and he, he was just that was the best thing about meeting Piper was like, you, you could ask him the craziest questions and he would answer them, and uh, then he would go into a story about the you know, I said, hey, was Kamala really from Africa? And <laughs> he's like, no, I think Jim was from South Carolina. I'm like, who the hell's Jim? He's like, his name's Jim Harris. I'm like, oh. And then he'd tell, oh, we wrestled in Mid-South one time, and uh, he shit his pants on his finisher move and uh, oh, against Bad News Brown. And, uh, you know, it was just like, uh, you know, it was just he was the best. But, you know, I, I think a lot of the comics were too afraid to be stupid with him. Yeah, I, I definitely was. Because yeah, he was kind of a quiet guy, and when I would see him around, and I just felt like, yeah, I don't want to bother him, you know. He's a legend, you know. <laughs> Who am I? But, yeah, I grew up loving Roddy Roddy Piper. You know, I mean, him and Hulk Hogan, 
in the 80s. Those were the two top guys for me. Roddy Piper was the funniest. I mean, he's probably the funniest wrestler ever, I would say. Because he was so over the top with the character. Yeah. And it's like, that's the funny thing. It's like, you know, his character was, I hated him as a kid. <laughs> and I told him that. And he got all bummed out. He's like, why? You know, he got literally like, like legitimately sad. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, because there was no internet in the 80s. So like if, if someone was brought out to the ring as from Scotland and a bad guy, you believed it. Like, right. you know. You thought like the Ultimate Warrior was from parts unknown, and and <laughs> and you know Sting was you know when he was surfer Sting, he was like a surfer from Venice Beach, right. and, like, you know, and <laughs> Abdullah the Butcher was from the Sudan, and yeah. you know, so it was like, you know, I really thought Roddy Piper was a dick, mm -hmm. you know, and like hitting Snook over the head with a, co a coconut and, right. uh, you know, beating up that jobber, Frankie Williams, <laughs> you know, like he was, I thought he was from Cuba and then it turns out he was like just some dude from Ohio. You know? <laughs> yeah. Frankie Williams. Yeah. So, but that made Piper's character. Like mm -hmm. I, I kind of wish the internet wasn't around for wrestling anyway, just because, you know, now it's, you know where everyone's from. Yeah. You know, you, you know that, you know, Ron Simmons isn't from the nation of domination. Right. You know, you know Akeem, the African dream, <laughs> is the one-man gang. Mm. You know, uh, you know Slick isn't really a, an actual pimp. Right. <laughs> um, so. Do you remember, uh, do you remember, do you have a specific moment that ruined kayfabe for you? I mean, as a kid... I remember watching Eddie Gilbert wrestle in the uh, WWF, and uh, one week he broke his neck, um, and then the next week he was wrestling again, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's amazing. <laughs> this guy's got a fucking broken neck, and he's like taking chair shots from Moondog, Maine. <laughs> uh, but I think the 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 one uh, was when I actually met Kamala. Oh, um, really? My dad, I don't want to bore people too long of a story, but my dad was friends with this very famous pro wrestling referee, uh, and he was a pro wrestler himself in the 50s called The Count, Billy Varga. And uh, he got us backstage at the Olympic Auditorium, and, uh, you know, my dad kind of left me alone backstage at a WWF event, which <laughs> tells you the upbringing I had. That, uh, you know, if I had a kid, the last thing I would do is just let him walk around a wwe wrestling event backstage and uh i saw kamala dressed in uh khaki pants and like a Al uh izod shirt and he was talking to kimchi but kimchi had his uh mask off so it was just like some white dude <laughs> right and he, he i think they kind of both saw me staring at them like like i was looking at the you know empire state building from the bottom it's like wow and they're like come over here and i'm like and I just stared at him. He's like, "Hi, I'm, I'm Jim." And then, you know, he had his makeup on and yeah. grass skirt. And I'm like, "No, you're not. You're Kamala." And what are you doing speaking English? <laughs> and he's like, "He just." They both kind of looked at each other, like, "Oh, we don't want to ruin this guy's, uh, this kid's image," you know. So he just started pounding it's his like belly, that. and I'm like, "Well," and then I'm looking at Kimchi, going, "Well, you're white." <laughs> <laughs> And I just kind of walked off. And that was probably like, oh, are they characters or are they real? So wow. that was like my... What was your uh, 
introduction into maybe this not being completely real. Well, the the moment that ruined it for me was when uh, Vince McMahon got into that trouble with the steroid trial, that whole steroid scandal that happened. That started in about 91, and I remember seeing Vince McMahon on the news giving a press conference, and they introduced Vince McMahon as the president of the WWF. And I was like, no, Jack Tunney is the president of the WWF. Right. Vince McMahon's the announcer. What are they talking about? Oh, he's tricking them, right? And then... You know, he gave his whole speech, and then they interviewed Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and he was speaking normally. He was just like, yeah, I've never taken steroids. I, yeah, no one's ever given me steroids. And I was like, wow, he, he's not retarded. He's not, he's not from the backwoods of Georgia like I thought he was from or wherever he was from. So, yeah, that, that ruined it for me. After that, I was like, oh, wow. So, yeah, it's not real, huh? Yeah, like you used to, I remember that steroid trial you saw like, you know, I think the Ultimate Warrior and like Hulk Hogan coming to the courthouse in like suits, and it's like, <laughs> wait a minute, the Ultimate Warrior's some parts unknown. He doesn't wear a suit and tie, you know. And like the superstar Billy Graham, you know, who was like Hulk Hogan before Hulk Hogan was like, yeah. in, like a golf shirt, and you know, it's like you saw them all out of their character. Like I think it would have been funny if they all went to the courthouse and like they're in their characters right yeah nail should have came in in his prison guard yeah and like big boss man could have been twirling <laughs> his uh you know which by the way big boss man and akeem when they were i have a shirt upstairs i had to buy on ebay uh you know their tag team was called the twin towers right yeah and some schmuck uh made a t-shirt with a picture of akeem and big boss man standing together kind of looking like the Twin Towers of New York. And at the bottom, it says, never forget. <laughs> and when I wear that shirt to work out in, I get the dirtiest looks from people, <laughs> probably from New York. Right. And uh, I kind of, but it's such a, uh, it's a great shirt. So <laughs> Obviously not wrestling fans. No, no. I mean, it. Uh, you know, I can appreciate, um, you know, uh, a good creativity in the world of marketing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I bought two Kamala shirts recently. That, oh, uh, yeah. One is just all brown, so it looks like you're black if you're wearing it with a Kamala's head in the middle. Oh. And then the other is just another all brown shirt where it's got the two, uh, um, I guess, like moons, two stars on the chest and the moon on his belly. And so it looks like you painted yourself. <laughs> People must be like, that's the most racist shirt. I've ever I know. Seen. I mean, I'm working out the other day at my gym, and I've got the Kamala shirt with his face on in the middle. Uh, and like, ter I think it was Terrell Owens walked by me, and he just looked at me like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> you know. And then it's like the the logo, like an like an old logo, like for <laughs> oh, it looks darky it, toothpaste or something. It like looks that. like the, uh, you know, I was uh, like, I don't like talking about myself on the podcast, as you know, but. Uh, you know, my dad was away on business a lot as a kid, so we had, uh, I don't want to say caretaker, I certainly don't want to say butler, uh, it's, it's, he was more like a a surrogate stepfather, uh, you know, um, uncle, a faux uncle, he was an African-American man by the name of Leroy. Of course he was. And, and I mean dark-skinned, <laughs> I mean, this, this, you gotta remember, this is the 70s in Bel Air, uh -huh. there was two black people in Bel Air, <laughs> OJ and Kareem. <laughs> Uncle Phil wasn't there yet. No. Uh, so kind of light-skinned brothers were in Bel Air yet. And Leroy was like, 
Dikembe Matumbo black. And uh, <laughs> we got pulled over several times when he was taking me to school. Wow. Because he had like a green Dodge Charger. And here's this white kid in the back, you know, the blackest guy on earth driving. Uh, and uh, Leroy, every Tuesday, would take me to Sambo's. <laughs> oh, man. And Sambo's eventually became Denny's, uh-huh. which, uh, you know, they had their race issues, uh, right. if I recall. Yes. Uh, about a decade ago, employees said they were a racist company. And uh, if you remember, the logo for Sambo's was like kind of a guy who looked like Kamala, you know, with like a bone ring sticking through his <laughs> oh, nose. Man. And it's just crazy that, that, you know, and that's what I loved about, you know, one of the good things about being a little older is like, you know, there were, there were some crazy things back in the 70s yeah. and 80s. And know. that wasn't that long ago. It wasn't no, like it was 100 I mean, years ago. You would think, Jesus Christ, that restaurant named Sambo and, and, and with like the most racist like logo and, uh, you know, or a show like All in the Family, you know, which they would say the N-word. Yeah. Like, uh, no, not a lot, but enough where, you know, that was only when there was three networks, CBS... NBC, ABC, so... Yeah, Fred uh, Sanford used to say the N-word all the time. Yeah. Sanford and son. And, you know, like, I remember the episode of All in the Family when Cleavon Little, you know, the sheriff from Blazing Saddles, uh, was robbing the bunker's house, and I think Archie called the house, and Cleavon Little picked up, and Archie Bunker's like, who's this? And he's like, this is the robbing your house right now. And it's like, I was like eight years old. I'm like, what's this CBS? What, what's that word mean, dad? He's like, oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> so did you have uh, a, sh- like my, that was my show as a kid all in the mm-hmm. family that, I, you know, when people ask me like who my favorite comic is. I, I say Archie Bunker. Uh, Cause he yeah. was such a, like a, a buffoon. Uh, did you have like a TV show you gravitated to as a kid? You know what? As a kid, this is a this is a show that isn't mentioned a lot, but this show meant a lot to me as a kid. Benson, oh, the great Robert Benson? Guillaume. Robert Guillaume, and what what I loved about Benson was he was a black man in a world full of white people, and he didn't take no shit from any of them. Right, like he would tell all. Of, he, he he worked for the governor, and he would tell the governor off. <laughs> right, he'd be a smart ass to the governor. No, he was, that's, uh, I mean, he, I think he, that was a uh, spinoff, I think, of Soap. Right. Where he was the butler in uh, Soap, and then he was so, like, he was, might have been the best part of Soap, and, uh, I mean, that shows you the, I mean, Soap was a pretty racy show. Uh, it was, yeah, for that time, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I just wish people could, like, I wish there was a time machine where at least we could bring back old TV shows and... You know, the shit that's on TV today is just like, you know, when Big Brother's one of the best shows on TV, <laughs> that's uh, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know I'm getting old because, like, now all the shows I watch are on, like, Antenna TV or, yeah. or Me TV, just the shows that I grew up watching. Oh, it's just like, I mean, All in the Family, uh, you know, MASH, uh, a show that I really loved, and part of it was filmed at my high school, was The White Shadow. Oh, I love The White Shadow. Especially the first two seasons. Yeah, Third oh. season was like kind of jumped a shark. Right, but oh yeah, oh, Salami. Oh, Salami <laughs> was uh, like that. And it's, I think one of my favorite lines in TV history is when uh, the coach took them to the country club to play golf. And they get out of the Hotel California, which was Salami's car, that <laughs> shitty convertible. 
And Coolidge gets out of the car next to him wearing knickers. And Salami goes, hey, nice knickers, cool. And Coolidge looks at him and goes, what'd you call me? <laughs> and it's just like that kind of riding, just that subtle, like, you know, just, uh, you know. that. But that show tackled a lot of crazy, like, uh, I think there was a, an abortion episode. Yeah. and uh, There was an episode where one of the kids got killed, remember? he got the Jackson. Yeah, he got in the liquor store and he got killed yeah and uh you know i always wondered like how goldstein was a starter on a team in the ghetto (laughs) i know right i mean i think white kids were bust in back then yeah but there's no jew was gonna start at carver (laughs) high i mean that's like you wouldn't send a jewish kid to modern day (laughs) which is a um uh high school is known for their high school basketball program out here yeah. and it's predominantly a black school uh, you would, wouldn't see some like jewish kid getting starting minutes <laughs> yeah. uh, i think that was one of the writer's fantasies he put himself yeah yeah in there. i mean you know and I, that's what i loved about you know good times was really the only uh one of the few shows that uh had some black writers on it like, mm-hmm. all, because all those shows were like black shows you know like the Jeffersons, you know, I wouldn't say the White Shadow was a black show, but it was primarily focused on race issues, right. and you know, with a white coach, uh, they had white writing staffs. Yeah, so exactly, yeah. The White yeah. Shadow they shouldn't be called the White Knight because that, yeah. that was the fantasy of the White Knight comes in to the black neighborhood and saves all the black kids and oh, yeah, teaches was, them how to behave. Yeah, like they're unruly savages, <laughs> yeah. and you need like you know, Coach Reeves. Uh, you know, but that show is just so like, you know, I don't know if it was intentional, but the way, you know, like when there's an episode where they, Coolidge got, went Hollywood and he got like an acting gig. And so the team invades one of those Hollywood Hills parties and uh, Thorpe is ordering a drink and he's like, uh, give me a martini on the rocks, hold the ice. <laughs> It's like, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's what I said. It was just it's such a good show. And, uh, was, yeah. Thorpe is actually a huge director now. Oh, is he? Yeah, uh, yeah. Kevin Hooks. Like oh. a lot of TV shows. Like he did most of Prison Break. Yeah. Which is my guilty pleasure. Do you have a guilty? What's your guilty pleasure show? My guilty pleasure show. Um, I don't know if this counts as a guilty pleasure, but because you you brought up you brought up Mash earlier. And uh, this actually leads to one of the reasons why I got bullied as a kid, because I was the only kid in school that had a MASH book bag. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, this was in, I guess, 1989. I loved MASH. I was the only kid that liked MASH, basically. No kid liked MASH. You know, no no, like 10-year-old kid liked MASH. But I had a MASH book bag. I had a MASH button with a picture of the cast on it. What did you like about it? I just thought, well, I loved Hawkeye. I loved Hawkeye. He was so funny. He had the wisecracks all the right. time. Like I grew up, like I wanted to be like Hawkeye. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be funny like that. I always have the funny wisecrack. And um, you know, I, I guess as a kid, I, I picked up on what they were trying to do. The writing was smart. You know, the acting was always so good. And uh, yeah, I just loved it. I was the only kid that loved Mash. All the all the kids made fun of me. And I was like, oh, Mash, that's for old people. Right. Yeah, but I loved, I remember being kicked in my Mash book bag. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. They were like Mash. <laughs> right now, what were the kids uh, like? What were they watching? Like you know, 
I mean, I'm trying to think what was going on. They were watching like Family Matters. and Right. Eight is Enough. <laughs> eight is Enough. Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. They did show Eight is Enough. Yeah. They did show Reuben's Face Enough back then. But they were, they were mainly watching, you know, like Family Matters, Step by Step, you know, stuff like that. What's happening? What's happening? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Do people even remember what's happening anymore? They should because uh, that was, you know, I've watched uh, every, uh, by the way, uh, on my TV right now is... Uh, Hillary Clinton meeting with the Black Lives Matter protesters. And, uh, you know, I've seen Triple H sketches with more realism. Uh, <laughs> have you seen this clip? No, I haven't. Oh, it's just her. Now, all of a sudden, she's getting in with the black vote. I mean, oh, come on. Wow. You know, it's like that time a couple of years ago she was running for president. And she went to that southern church and literally started talking in a southern, like a, almost like a plantation. <laughs> right. Like, I've been good to all you all. It's like, <laughs> what are you fucking going to the Dexter Manley school of, uh, you know, reading? Did she start doing the arm swimming motion? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, my brothers. <laughs> Probably my favorite Akeem moment is if you, if you YouTube this, uh, he was wrestling Big John Studd. And, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, Akeem was a big guy. Yeah, and, but Big John Stud was bigger, and mm -hmm. so they do this hand strength test, and uh, Big John Stud puts his hand up to this challenge me. We're gonna do the hand strength test, and Akeem put his hand in the air and didn't come close to getting to uh, Big John Stud's hand. So he does this he does the wave thing and moonwalks backwards, and it's so funny. It's like, like I don't know if I'd say it's racist, but it's like, you know, I don't think. Uh, Akeem has really moonwalked a lot in his life. Oh my God. The most racist thing ever shown on, one of the most racist things ever shown on TV, probably in general ever, is the vignette where One Man Gang became Akeem. You know what I'm talking about? It is <laughs> maybe the greatest, the, the humor in it. I, in, I think most of it was unintentional. Uh, when Gene Okerlund. Yeah, Gene Oakland, he's in deepest, darkest Africa, <laughs> which is uh, obviously supposed New to be... New York. Yeah, I'm supposed to be Harlem, right? And there's literally black people in African savage makeup. With Chuck Taylor. Yeah, <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Obviously a Vince McMahon creation, must have been. Oh, of course. I mean, uh, and just, uh, what did Gene Oakland say? At one point, he walks over to the savages, and he's like, ooh, well... Guess who's not coming to dinner? Oh, like, oh. just like, which, which is what we were talking about earlier. It's like so crazy to me that the WWE fired Hogan for being racist. It's like I would think that would have gotten him a promotion in your company. Know, right. Like, look at like, you name you name a racial uh, stereotype wrestler, and I'll name one. Like, I'll start off a junkyard dog. Oh, absolutely. Black man in the ring. With a dog collar on all fours. Like, this is how blacks are portrayed by Vince McMahon. Yeah. And for me, I have to say, the Wild Samoans. When I saw, the, I remember as a kid seeing a vignette of the Wild Samoans eating raw fish out of the river. And up until I was in my late teens, I thought that's what all Samoans were. Like, they were just crazy wild savages who eat raw fish out of the river. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I mean, we could go on. Uh, we could. Literally have another podcast talking about racial, uh, you know, and, and, you know, Kamala, you know, some, you know, 
crazy maniac, the uh, you know Abdullah the Butcher. Yeah, you know, some Fuji. blood thirsty, you know, and, and you know, uh, I, I tell you that line Piper said to Mr. T is like, I like and Roddy, I, you know, I love you, I love you to death, and I cried a lot when I got the call that you had moved on to the ring in the sky, but. I remember that one Piper's Pit you had with Mr. T where you said, you got more chains than your ancestors. Oh, <laughs> oh classic, classic. And then that one episode where he painted himself he painted half black, himself half black. white. Yeah, to fight Bad News Brown. Who yeah. was a legit uh, judo champion. Yeah, Olympic medalist in and, judo. Um, there's a great, I won't spoil it for you because uh, I want you to get your money's worth. Uh, of the Kamala book, um, there's a great Andre the Giant uh, Bad News Brown story. Oh, I've heard the story. Where uh, oh, okay, well, uh, just you know, Andre the Giant. Um, let's just say he called Bad News Brown a word he shouldn't have, mm -hmm. and uh, they had some problems in the ring. Oh yeah, and uh, one involved food poisoning, mm -hmm. and a finishing <laughs> move that went askew. Yeah. But if you uh, haven't uh, read Kamala's book, go to uh, KamalaSpeaks.com. Buy a book. All the proceeds go to Kamala, uh, James Harris. Uh, he's uh, got a lot of medical issues. Uh, he lost his both legs to diabetes. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, the world of pro wrestling is a very brutal business, much like comedy. And mm -hmm. uh, these guys, once they're not stars anymore, are just discarded. And uh, Kamala's a great guy. And, yeah, great uh, guy. Great read and for a great cause. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, and I know, you know, probably doesn't seem like 20 bucks. Uh, and he autographs every book. Uh, doesn't seem like it would help him a lot. But if, you know, a lot of us buy it, like me and Lenny have, you guys buy it, a couple hundred people buy it or whatever, it helps, helps them somehow. Yeah. So uh, please do that. And, uh, you know, Lenny, I, I could talk to you for hours. Yeah, I, mean, I, I could talk wrestling all day long, man. And uh, we well, next uh, well, SummerSlam. Why don't we do SummerSlam's uh, coming up? Yeah, it's, uh, this week uh, I've got the network. I had the illegal uh, password, and then I by accident paid for it. So now I, I <laughs> legally. Uh, uh, well, maybe we'll do next week if you're around a SummerSlam uh, uh, review. Yeah, absolutely. Undertaker's back. Undertaker will be meeting Lesnar, and I'm hearing rumors that uh, something will happen at some point in the night with Sting setting up the, uh, I think what everyone believes to be the uh, the last match for both of them at WrestleMania 32 in Texas. Yes, the dream match. Well, it should have happened this year, but uh, yeah. Triple H just had to get get that you know uh, ego uh, boosted like it can't get boosted anymore. Uh, and uh, you know, but hey, we, we we could talk all day about uh, the miss moves of the WWE, uh, and uh, but we'll, that we'll save that for another podcast. Where can people uh, get a hold of you? Facebook and Twitter, Instagram. Do you do Instagram? No, I don't do Instagram. I don't know. I'm I'm very slow to all this stuff. I mean, I, I just got on Twitter. You know, I'm right. very slow to all this stuff. But you can find me on Facebook and Twitter, Lenny Shelton at Lenny Shelton. Uh, I don't have an Instagram, but that's where you know I'll be posting all my uh, jokes and dates. Hopefully, you'll like them all. Now, this uh, episode will be uh, 
release tomorrow? Do you have any uh, shows uh, coming up, like Ice House, or any, any shows you want to uh, let people know where you're at? So if you're in L.A., uh, you can uh, see Lenny. Yeah, I'm uh, doing a show uh, called Cupcake Vagina next week. Uh, Is that uh, Laura Hayden's? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, I was uh, booked by a gentleman named Michael James Benson, one of the funniest comics around. And, oh, uh, yes, I can... Michael James Benson, great guy and great comic. Great guy, great comic, and he was nice enough to have me on his show at Echoes Under Sunset next week. So uh, She's in uh, Los Feliz, I guess, would you say? Uh, I believe that area is Echo Park. Okay, so if you're around uh, Echo Park next week, do you know the day? Tuesday. Next Tuesday night, Echo Park. Uh, Echoes Under Sunset is a real cool uh, hip room. It's it's a fun place to see a show, and... Uh, Go see Lenny there, uh, Facebook and Twitter, Lenny Shelton. Not Lonnie Shelton, the great no. Seattle Super. You're not related to him, are you? No, I'm not. No. He was one of my favorite players as a kid. Wasn't that good of a shooter, but he could rebound like a motherfucker. And, uh, you know, uh, Lenny Shelton's a great comic. You're going to be uh, hearing a lot of things from him. He'll be back. We'll do some wrestling podcasts. And we didn't even, you know, we, we could talk music, comedy, wrestling. But my goal, Lenny is to have people go, I want to hear more. Well, guess what? If you want to hear more, you got to tune in again. We don't just shoot our wad in one shot yeah, uh, right. anymore anyway. Well, uh, hopefully next time you have some air conditioning in here. Oh, fuck, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, let me tell you something. I'm sweating. Uh, Lenny is sweating like Shaq at a reading comprehension test. Uh, so I do apologize for that. I, this is the second worst I've ever felt with a, for a guest. Um, the first guest was a big Irish Jay Hollinsworth, who's a very funny comic and about 440 pounds. Oh. And it was even hotter that day. And he, you've never seen a white guy sweat so much. Oh, man. Other than when they were in the uh, uh, Rodney King jury in Simi Valley. <laughs> hey, oh, that's a nice, I thought it'd end on a racial uh, joke. But uh, Lenny Sheldon's a great guy, so please get to be a fan of his. Um, he's an awesome comic and a good friend. And uh, hopefully this leads us to do some wrestling podcasts because you know that's probably the number one request is do a, do another do a show about uh, you know SummerSlam or do, yeah. you know so wrestling fans are the best you know uh, you guys have been very good to me the last couple months and uh, supportive with the the passing of Roddy and he was a good dude and he loved all you guys so that's why he did the podcast. If you don't think uh, other outside entities were responsible for him not doing the podcast anymore, uh, think again. I don't think I have to uh, say who or what uh, for you marks listening. Boy, it sure is cold in here. I think I'll go to Austin, Texas and warm up. Uh, thank you guys for listening. This is episode 75, Lenny Shelton, Inappropriate Earl. We're on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please uh, leave a review on iTunes. It helps get us featured higher up on the charts. And uh, SoundCloud helps us uh, you know, get the numbers up. And uh, coming uh, next week, possibly, possibly, I met him at the Rowdy Roddy Piper Memorial last night, Richard Tyson who you might know as Buddy Ravel from 3 O'Clock High and the bad guy in Kindergarten Cop with Schwarzenegger. He's got a great the Magic Johnson shoe story, I'm told. Uh, so thank you guys very much. Lenny Shelton in the house. He'll be back. Thanks for having me. Lenny, thank you for sweating your ass off doing this. Always good to see you, Earl, and rest in peace, Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs>